good is the enemy of great. Mm. The guy that enjoys walking will always walk further than the guy that enjoys the destination. Comparison is the thief of joy. Welcome to the Biblical Living Podcast. Matt, Chase, and Alex are back to break down the practical side of a biblical life and to have some fun in the process. Stick around to the end for the Saint or Eight segment. You don't want to miss it. Let's go! Welcome back to the Biblical Living Podcast. I'm here with Alex from From the Pit Ministries. Hold on. Link to his channel is down below in the description. And I'm here with my pastor friend Chase, just a regular dude. So uh, we are going to talk today about general advice. So we're going to talk about wisdom and advice. So if you've ever been in a point in your life where you said, I just need wisdom in my life, we're going to talk about different areas, general life, uh, in your Christian walk, and in relationships and work, different kinds of advice about different things, and uh, hopefully you'll get a lot of a wisdom out of this. If you've ever been confused about anything in your whole life, you've come to the right podcast. You're going to know everything. How to build a house. How to talk to girls. How to... This is it right here. This is it. I mean, I'm just saying buckle up. It's going to be a really long episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) 17 hours later. And then you want to stroke her hair and look into her eyes. Tell her that you love her. Yeah. Yeah. Tell tell her you love her. Yeah. Um, Start shingling from the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure your roof flashing doesn't have any gaps. (laughs) I feel like we need to not intermingle these topics because there's a lot of... (laughs) Oh, okay. Whatever. There's a lot of crossover. Women are like roof shingles. (laughs) Yep. First piece of wisdom, don't call your wife a roof shingle. It's very good wisdom. Very, very helpful. Um, so we're going to jump into the topic of wisdom and just general advice. And so we're going to share some just advice that maybe we've heard in our lives that has really helped us or things that we've learned to just maybe learn in the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> things which for me, it's a big, big thing. I, I tend to learn things the hard way. Yeah. I like I think about that. If I put like younger and needed the advice that I got later, one, would I have heeded it? Probably not. But two, if I'd have gotten it, like like I didn't have it and I probably wouldn't have heeded it, but maybe it would have saved me from mm-hmm. some foolishness and some, you know, wandering out in the wilderness kind of season. So right. hopefully that's what some of this can do. Awesome. Well, we'll, we'll kick it off with just some general life advice. Um, and if, you know, whatever kind of – we can go any direction you guys want to go. I've got – so whenever we were talking about this, the first one that came into my mind that I wish I almost thought of this as like stuff I wish I knew earlier in life. The first one that came to my mind is mastering the art of delayed gratification. Oh, that's good. If you can get that down, that unlocks, apply it to physical well-being, apply, you know, if I can delay gratification, if I can delay what feels good for my body. You know, it feels good right now to watch Netflix, feels good right now to eat the junk or whatever. If I can delay that gratification into uh, the body that I want, the, the you know, the, the physique or the fitness level or the, you know, whatever, the stamina or the weight record or whatever. If I can delay that gratification until then, you know, I can unlock the real life that I want to have and and but I mean apply that to to anything a relationship a money uh you know business uh, ministry anything like that if I can just 
push that gratification off and not settle for the good that's right now, but the great that can be down the road. Um, you know, I feel like that can unlock a key to a lot of stuff. And that's what I wish somebody had, had kind of harped on me earlier on in life. Just get good at being okay with putting the work in and not seeing the results for a while because just so much of life is this compounding like teeter-totter effect to where you put enough in and then eventually stuff tips and, and it just starts flowing, but you got to put a lot of work <laughs> without seeing a lot of result yeah. for a while. All the, the image that keeps coming to my head every time you, you're talking about that, you're talking about tipping. All I can think about, have you ever been to the, seen those kids' water parks where they have the little thing and they have that bucket up top? bucket, yeah. I, I, we, we took my kids to a indoor water park, and they had this big bucket. And my daughter would just go, and she'd just stand there. And it seems like we'd wait forever. And all she wanted this bucket to fall, but she would just stand there as long as it took. Yep. Delayed gratification. And just stand yeah. there. No matter how long it took, she'd stand it, and eventually it'd fall, and then she'd get so excited. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the image that I think of as being willing. And when I say standing there, I don't mean just waiting. I mean doing yeah. the work. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I feel like yeah. you know it's coming, but I think right. what helps you get there is to be confident that results will come yeah. if you're consistent. Which, that's the quote-unquote gamble. But it's what's required. So I was I was thinking about this. This is kind of a stupid example, but it like came to my came true for me. So I was like sewing. We put our house there where our house is now, and so we needed to sow new grass. And what was required to sow new grass is putting straw down. So I sowed the grass seed, put straw down. I'm thinking I only have a certain amount of straw, so I can spread it more thin and make it last further. But then I'm just making a larger area not as good rather than making a smaller area what's required. Mm -hmm. And so it's that. It's like I'm doing what I have to do to make it actually work rather than doing a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there, and it all fail versus I'm focusing what is is required in the area that it's got to be required. I can't, you know, I can't can't be spread that thing because it's all just not going to work and so i feel like it's that it's just putting putting those efforts putting that you know that work into it still may not any of it work but at least i'm taking the steps that's required for that and, and sacrificing what i need to to not right. have it fail that patience coming in i can't i can't tell you how many things i've built or something around around my property and instead of going back and getting the right tool for the job that's like 50 yards away I'll just make do and use a wrench for a hammer or something yeah. like that. And it's, man. Take 10 you, times longer. Yeah, and then, then I'm twice as stressed at the end of it because yeah. wrenches are not hammers. Right. We should go get the hammer. Yep. Right. Absolutely. That's really, that's really good advice. I think I think in the larger scheme of things, so, so you can apply this to little things like the, just the work project around the house or – you know, sowing grass or you know the, the actual projects, and then you could put that on a larger scale of just life, right? Yeah. So, so delayed gratification. You know, I have this ideal life that I'm looking for, and whether it happens or not, I need to put in the work to make it happen, right? You're not gonna, uh, as much as we all would like it, you're not gonna open your door in the morning and there's a million dollar check waiting on you. Like that's just not right, not reality. Yeah. So if you want that show that you, they used to do that, for was clearing. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember absolutely. when I was a kid thinking, man, do those they just come around to any everybody? minute? Now. Yeah, <laughs> they're just gonna yeah. randomly show up. Gonna show up. <laughs> was that the guy that? No, it was a different guy that had the question marks all over his suit. 
That was from those Batman, wasn't it? The Riddler. <laughs> well, yeah, but there was a real guy that was oh, like, yeah. make money off the government or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like those I know. Yeah, yeah, it was a commercial. That's gonna bother me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna have to put a little yeah, screenshot like, of that commercial up here, or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I just had wild suits, but um, but I think it's. I think a big thing that helps that in the bigger scheme. So it's in the little things, just knowing, hey, this is it's going to make my life more difficult if in, unless I if I do the work now, the end yeah. result will be better. But in the big scheme of life, when we're talking about delayed gratification, that maybe years yeah. of delayed gratification, sometimes it can get hard to keep that understanding and that thought process going. Sure. And I think one thing that will help with that is recognizing that there is happiness and joy and and great fulfillment in the process there's fulfillment in the journey so while we're excited about the end result that we are working towards that delayed gratification to to find those places of contentment and and you know things in the journey before i even get the thing i'm ultimately looking for yeah well and just being okay with not having the payoff today like yeah being okay with not being happy today knowing that i'm gonna be fulfilled and happy tomorrow you know money's the great example of like if you can save x amount of not that many dollars a month a couple hundred dollars a month and put it in the interest you could be a millionaire so why isn't everybody a millionaire yeah. you know it's that of like if we did all the stuff we knew to do we'd all have six packs we would all be millionaires we would all we just know the stuff to do we just don't do it mm-hmm. like there's no way that eating right and going to the gym doesn't equal i have physically the body that i want why don't i have the body that i want like Uh you know what i mean it's just doing the stuff and pushing getting good at that skill of delaying gratification yeah absolutely you got anything else to add to that or do you want to give your first piece of advice no no i think that we about covered that did you want to go next or do you want me to don't matter to me go for it fine i'll go again I got ninety of these, so we probably should. I've got I've got a bunch. Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know four. Four. We're just rapid four. fire. <laughs> four of them. Yeah. Okay. So most of mine. Well, that was my fault. That's okay. <laughs> also, none of mine are from the Bible. Are y'all from the? I mean, mine are scriptural truths. But I don't have any. I don't have any direct scripture references. I think I do on two of them, maybe. This Chase is why he is spiritual pastor. He's Chase, a regular, dude. regular dude here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I just believe the Bible is the truth. That's where I get my oh, truth from. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can if 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 I, I can, can throw references up on the um, for mine. Yeah, find yeah. Me some <laughs> delayed gratification. Though. There are verses I can find. You them. can you can find verses to support what you're saying afterwards. But did you think right. about it beforehand? Yeah, and sure. I, it's written on are my you, heart. Are your actions coming from the Bible, or are you going to the Bible to justify your actions? I just meditate on Scripture enough to make it applicable. So. It's on my heart. It's written on my heart. <laughs> I didn't just like take it. Random scriptures for a podcast. Go for it, Chase. Okay, so two of mine uh, come from coaches. So I've got like tons of stuff rolling around in my mind that's come from sports, football, wrestling. That's whenever you talk about your coaches, I get jealous because I had like two coaches. The most famous quote from one of my coaches was, we're starting at 9 or 9.30. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's what I learned from my coach. Well, so, like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm well, always had, listening real hard. When you're here I had a lot good. of coaches. Not all of them were good. So, like, if you've got yeah. 15 coaches, two sure. of them are going to be pretty decent. Yeah. <laughs> Probably the odds there. 
uh, I had two, and it was the dad that didn't not make eye contact when they were asking <laughs> who wants to coach this year. <laughs> oh, you, you sir. Hey. <laughs> yeah. What's your work schedule look like? You ever played baseball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so this comes from one of my football coaches, and he always said, good is the enemy of great. Mm. And this was meant to be kind of like a, a motivator, motivator to pursue greatness over just adequacy or over just good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, that works really well in the sports world. It's one of the truest pieces of advice I've ever heard. Um, there's, a, there's a balance between those two things, greatness and goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't expend all of our time uh, 100% on one thing. Yeah. Like we've got so many different things in our lives, so there is a balance. We need to decide what's good and what's great. What do we need to make great in our lives? And what's okay just being good? Yeah. Because despite kind of the leanings that this coach was, was pushing, it's okay that some things are good enough. Yeah. Like everything doesn't have to be great. Somebody um, said good and done is better than yes. great and late. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think – Along the lines of, like, example, my yard, for instance. Does my yard need to be great? Do I need to have all the lines diagonal, right. everything we needed? <laughs> like, I've got the sprinkler out front. Does my yard need to be great? Maybe if, if I'm a single guy and yeah. I've got no other hobbies, nothing else, maybe, yeah, your yard probably should be great. You yeah. need to devote, you need to do something with greatness in your life. White New Balance, dude. Yeah. White tube socks, jean right. shorts. Right. But... <laughs> For me, I, I'm not a single guy, so my yard doesn't need to be great. My yeah. family, does my family need to be great? Yes, yeah. Yeah. obviously. Uh, and within that, there's there's a ton of different areas too. So education, physical health, mental health, spiritual health, all these different things wrap up into caring for your family. And all those things need to be great. Yeah. Well, I think the, the answer to the answer to figuring out that it's getting good at prioritization. Yeah. Right. Like what is the priorities in your life? And, and ultimately as a Christian, the way we set our priorities comes from God. Um, so whereas, you know, you've seen stories or heard stories of those fathers and husbands who are, you know, obsessed with their career. So they're always gone. They're never with their family. Their, their kids don't ever see them. They don't ever. And that is, to in their mind, they are prioritizing, and they're they're being the great businessman, but they're sacrificing other things. You're always going to sacrifice something. It's saying yes to one thing is saying no to something else, mm-hmm. right? I can't say yes to, you know, I I said yes to be here to record this podcast, so I said no to sitting somewhere else and doing something else, right? right. So, so you're going to always be saying no to something. So as a Christian. We have to align our priorities with what biblical principles teach us should be priority, relationship with God being first and foremost, um, and then going from there. And so we have to figure out how to, in order to be great, good is good is the enemy of great. But I would suggest that, to add to that, I would say that lack of priorities is the enemy of being great as well like it's it's i'm i heard it said this way there's a there's there's this spoken word artist oh what? <laughs> i knew y'all heard what is that shut it down um, what but then i went up the hill and then i went down the hill 
That's spoken word. Absolutely not. That's 100% <laughs> so this, all spoken word is. This guy. Rambling, but with <laughs> emphasis. This guy, he has a um, he has a thing, and he says, a line that has always stuck with me. He said, She said multitasking is a myth. You ain't doing anything good, just everything awful. <laughs> and that's without right priorities. That's what happens. We are only good. We can never become great at anything because we have no priorities. Our priorities are out of whack. So prioritization is the key to make greatness happen. Yeah, I've kind of discovered, me personally, I have trouble doing more than three big things in my life well. Like if I take on four or five big things that need to be done, I'm going to be slacking in those things. So for me, it's my family, uh, church, and work. Like I can do those three things. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of my time is filled with taking care of smaller details or uh, studying for one of these things. So studying for my family, studying for the church, studying for work, getting better at those things. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not, I'm not a, you just said multitasking isn't real. I, I know it isn't for me. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> yeah. I would say that multitasking is one of those things where it's, it's real in the sense that you can do it, yeah. but it's a, it's a lie in the sense that it's helpful. It's not useful. It's not helpful. It's not actually going to bring about the results like everybody multitasking and oh i can get a lot done and in reality you may get a lot of stuff done but you're getting it done not at, at greatness you're not haphazardly actually, yeah yeah my, growing up my dad always told me if you're gonna do a half job just don't even do it you know yeah. <laughs> like, like like if, yeah. if, if what you're doing is you're just there's a word for that, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like I was going to say, I had people in my life tell me that too. They didn't say it like that. <laughs> they if if you don't have time to do it right the first time, when are you going to find time to do it over? Yep. That's, That's really good. Some good yeah. wisdom. Some mm-hmm. good farm wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> you ask those dudes that have been out on the field for 50 years, they got some, they've got some time yeah. to do some thinking. Right. And they know they know what's good enough. Like they're not going to do a subpar job. They're going to do something that's going to last, but they're not going to do something that's going to last a million years. Right. Like they just need to get past the elm is pretty much what a lot of those guys do. It doesn't need to impress the neighbors. Yes. It has right. to hold the cow. In right. The mm-hmm. So. Do you have any wisdom? I do. No. No, I have no wisdom. No. Let's just pack it up and be done then. Well, well, yeah, I got it up here. Oh. No, I, I do have notes, but I've already looked at them and now. We it's talked about humility last week. <laughs> we did we, in the last episode. We did talk about humility. That's done with. That's in the past. <laughs> um, no, so for me, the the first piece of general life advice that has kind of stuck with me. And I, I've seen it online. I think at some point, which is where it kind of popped in my head, and it really stuck with me. It's being interested will take you further than being interesting. And what I mean by that, or what really stuck out to me about that. About that is that from, it makes sense. I just had to, it took me a while, like processing, processing. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Processing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for me, the, what I take out of that and what, what I mean by that is that there, there's kind of a twofold thing. Um, there's one aspect of it that's, in my opinion, knowledge-based and one aspect that's relational-based. So the relational-based, I'm going to grow further in relationship with people 
by being more interested in them mm. than trying to make myself interesting to them. Yeah. Um, people are interested in people who are interested in it, right? So, it, you know, if I, just relationally speaking, if I'm interested in others and take and care for others and focus on others, my relationship with them is going to be better than if I'm self-focused. Hey, look at me. Look what mm-hmm. I can do. Look. What, so in a relational aspect, it's that way, but also in the knowledge aspect of, being interested and wanting to grow and learn and being interested in knowledge and gaining more information and will always take you further than being interesting enough to say, look what I already know. So being interesting, interested in gaining more knowledge Mm -hmm. will take me further than being impressed by the knowledge I already have and trying to make myself interesting with what I already know. Sure. So that's kind of the two ways I take that statement. Sure. That's similar to actually one I've got written down something along the lines of the guy that enjoys walking will always walk further than the guy that enjoys the destination. And it's kind of the same thing of like, if I enjoy the process of learning rather than I want to get to the place where I'm a knowledgeable person, yep. one of those people is going to study more because they just enjoy the learning. They're yeah. seeking the knowledge for knowledge sake because they enjoy it. Not the end goal of being a smart person or impressing right. people or you know yep. whatever it is. So, that's good. Completely agree. That's a good one. That ties into my next point, too. Go for it. Uh, another coach gave, always gave <laughs> I this I thought your stuff came from the Bible. It came from coaches. You lie. Next to another coach, Coach Jesus. You lie, you fry. <laughs> no, I'm not lying. We'll, we'll get to those actual truth in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, so another coach I had, he always said, always be like a dry sponge. And this kind of ties in with exactly what you were just saying. So we always want to absorb what we're being taught, as long as it's from reputable sources. Mm -hmm. If somebody's saying something, pay attention to it. Um, Many people are too focused on doing the thing or um, trying to do it well so they're not embarrassed, that they're not paying attention. Like if somebody gives you instructions, stop, let's pay attention to what they're saying. Um, So many people get... uh, hung up I'm thinking I'm thinking of this situation in my head when he actually said this was on a football field I was during practice and there were these guys that they were freshmen and we were doing this drill and it was a really simple drill and the coach was you know telling them how we're gonna you're gonna pull here go around here hit this dummy and that's it and they were just my kids like, hey, <laughs> no, 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 uh, rubber dummy, <laughs> not another this freaking uh, idiot, <laughs> coach's kid that they yeah. had to put on the hit the team. kid on the like, end oh, down there, yeah. this dummy. But they weren't able to do that because they weren't listening to the instructions. They had already figured out what they wanted to do or what they thought they needed to do, or they were so worried about doing it well and not being embarrassed that they didn't actually learn how they how they should have actually done it. I, I see this, and I'm going to be honest, this is an area that I struggle with a lot. Um, and, and it probably comes from, because I'm a debater, so I love debate, which is so much fun. It's, for those of you who, who don't know me personally, um, debate is like a stress relief to me so when i debate i, I love it man it just it's makes the me opposite for me <laughs> it is for it's for my wife too being around but, you when you debate is the opposite of the stress <laughs> i love debate it just it calms me down um it may not look like i'm calm but it calms me down boy it sure doesn't <laughs> but a lot of times in debate 
and this happens a lot in debate, is you're you're listening to what the other person's saying, but you're formulating how you're going to respond to what the other person's saying, because that's that's the whole context of debate. I'm going to counter your point. Um, but in real life, outside of debate, that's not a good thing, right? It's, it's very, it can be very bad. And so, so it's very easy in, especially with someone like me, who's very debate oriented in the way I think. And, and I'm thinking that way all the time. Yeah. I have to constantly check myself because I do that. I'm not focused on, like, I'm thinking of what comes next. Like, and even, even, <laughs> I do it naturally, even with you talking this point, my brain's going to, okay, how, what, what, what can I say on like, and say, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm thinking ahead, which is fine in a, yeah. to an extent. It's fine to, to be thinking ahead. Like you don't want to just not have thoughts and not, but you've got to be careful not to allow that to overtake actually caring about the, you know, what the yeah. other person's saying and what's actually happening and, and learning this one thing I try to, um, teach my son like even in where we homeschool my children and and my son doing math and doing things like that he he he's like i just want to get it done he's like i just want to get my work done so he kind of just jumps and runs and i'm like if you slow down a second and, and i do this with my my daughter when we, you know we're reading and she she's reading a book to me but she's just wanting to she's filling in blanks of what she thinks is going to happen next in the story yeah. so she's saying wrong words every once in a while because in her head she's filled in blanks mm-hmm. i'm like slow down that's not what that word says right and so it's it's easy to get in that mode of filling in blanks and, and not actually slowing down saying what's really happening what's really yeah. being said what's really going on and i've i i use this advice this is probably one of my most used advice that impacted me the most um, I, I've had the opportunity to, to start a lot of new things in my life. So like new jobs, sports, hobbies, preaching, all kinds of new stuff. And I've taken this be like a dry sponge into everything. So when I'm starting something new, um, I usually seek out the people that I think are the best at that thing. Yeah, and that's I'll why read, you saw this out on yeah, podcasting. Exactly. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll seek out the best people at those things. Right. And I'll read their books. I'll listen to them talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just to try to learn, absorb what they're saying. And that's another reason why I'm constantly reading, too, because I don't ever want to be dry. Um, I want to always be absorbing. And the counter to that is I don't want to be a fully wet sponge who can't absorb anything new. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to feel like I know everything. and I've got, I've got no space left to learn from anybody. Yeah. That's good. That goes to one of my points I have. Consider the source. Mm-hmm. That's good. The same kind of thing of like, don't take money advice from broke people. Don't take, you know, fitness advice from people out of shape. Don't take marriage advice from people who hate their marriage. Don't take raising your kids advice from people whose kids are brats. Like, you know, figure out, do does this person have the life that you want before you go following down the trail that they're on? And because they're saying something to you, if they're not putting that into practice, then it may not be advice worth following. And so just consider the source from where all that stuff comes from. I, you know, I work in jails and prisons and there's so many business ideas. And, you know, I had a guy telling me the other day, like, this is how you do job interviews to land high paying jobs. And he's never had a high-paying job and is currently incarcerated. Right. So, you know, it's, but it's just like he just wouldn't come off of, right. you know, couldn't see the forest for the trees. But so it's just that, like, consider 
where's the information coming from? Is this person putting it into practice their life? I know, I don't say the person's name, but somebody we both know whose life is constantly in shambles all the time. Every aspect of their life is terrible. And uh, you're talking about me. No, <laughs> the shoe fits. Like that's off. Are you funny. feeling convicted over there? Uh, a little bit. A little they're, bit. They're crying, and it's not just like a one-time like. Sorry, bad I'll stuff. use less scripture next time. Well, <laughs> maybe if you followed it. It's not like they they had like a bad season and like seven like life is constantly falling apart because of their poor decisions. And they were telling me one time how they just really need to get their life coaching business going. So that way yeah. they can teach other people how to That's a bad their idea. life falling apart. But they like know the stuff to say, but they're not doing any of it. You know, yeah. so it's just like consider the source. And right. I think I think considering the source, I think there's a couple aspects of that consider the source in the sense of what are they living, versus a lot of people have a bad habit of they look at titles or positions and then they just take the advice because of the title or the position of the person right. without examining the life. Like, yeah. You know, when scripture talks about, you know, looking at other people's lives and this will kind of tie into something in a moment that I, that I'm going to give as my next piece. But when we look at other people's lives, scripture doesn't teach us to look at their positions or their titles. It teaches us to examine fruit. And talked about this last time. We did talk about this last time in a different context. Oh, yeah, yeah. Song of Solomon, the pomegranates. Uh, oh Lord! It's in the Bible. I'm just quoting scripture to you guys. It's in the Bible, King James Bible. King James. Yeah, only authorized version. That's right. Yeah. Um, no, but the the idea of examining fruit of someone's life is more than just examining. The position, like, just because someone, and this is good advice for people in the church, just because someone who has the title pastor in front of their name tells you something doesn't mean they're right. Right. Just because someone who has the, in the, every realm, just because someone has the term manager in front of their name doesn't mean they're right. Just because someone has the term uh, president in front of their name, not getting political, but you get the point, right? Like, right. like we, we often look at positions and titles and we just trust these people as experts or authorities on certain topics. So we just take whatever they say, but the way we consider the source goes beyond well, oh, this is an esteemed person, so they're telling me this, so this has got to be the right advice. Mm. It, the way we consider the source is to look at the fruit. Right. Like you said, are they living it? Are they actually taking this advice? Look at the fruit of their life, not just the title or position. And I think so often people quote experts. You know, This person has a Ph.D. and wrote a parenting book, so they got to be the expert on parenting. Right. Right. That's not – no, just because they're an expert, that doesn't necessarily mean that what they're saying is accurate. No kids. <laughs> right. I can tell you how many people with no kids gave me and my wife parenting advice. Oh, Lord. You ain't kidding. And they could be anyway. right, but you would have no way to tell. Right. right. They could have their correct information, but why should, you shouldn't trust them. Well, yeah, it's just information. Like, and I'm, I remember hearing this from a pastor – and, and just kind of set my heart to like have this as a as a way of doing things. But he says he wouldn't teach anything from a pulpit that he doesn't know from experience. And so it may be true. And if it's in the Bible, it's true. You can preach whatever you want in the Bible. But if I don't know it from experience, I can't teach it really because I don't really know it to be true enough to teach you. I know that's true because I trust God. Right. But if it's just, hey, this is how you raise the dead, and I've never raised the dead, like... I don't. Yeah. Know, I, I don't have the authority to teach that. 
and so it's just same kind of thing like if you it may be absolutely true but if you haven't like walked it out and known every all the nuances that go with it and everything else is equipped with it it's i feel like that's the the dividing line between knowledge and wisdom just like it can be the same words coming out of your mouth but one person has tried and true tested this thing right. and can dispel it as wisdom than well, knowledge. that's how jesus walked right so jesus came right. and he, he the bible says he's our great high priest that knows what he experienced it like it, it was one thing from god from heaven from his throne mm-hmm. to look down on humanity it was a completely different thing when he came and experienced it so now right. when he talks the way. words of yeah when we hear the words of jesus now and the things Jesus, he he lived it he experienced it he knows what it was like to be betrayed he knows what it was like to you know do all these things he did all these scriptural things he knows what it's like to follow the commandments of god he knows what it's like so now He's speaking from a place of actual experiential knowledge, and there's mm. fruit of his life that back up his words. Right. And so, that, you know, not that you couldn't listen to God before. He, he obviously created all, but that's one of the reasons God became a man was to experience what we experience, yeah. um, which I think is is key. And so now we can trust that. Not that we couldn't trust his word before, but you get what I'm saying. Like we can, yeah. There's a different type of trust. It was mighty nice of him to trust. do that. It was mighty nice. It's, like, it's almost can, like he planned that. We can appeal that. to him more fully because he understands us yeah yeah absolutely um now with that being said this kind of ties into my next piece of advice and it's not really about just wisdom I, and, and honestly i've heard it from a lot of different sources but the one person who said it a million times to me is my wife oh um, we'll discredit that <laughs> what are you bringing this stuff in here for? april <laughs> i got you um <laughs> you think this is a women's conference <laughs> <laughs> um so my wife she says it all the time comparison is the thief of joy and that wisdom so we consider the source but we don't compare ourselves to the source if that makes sense so we find a source that has the thing i want and so we listen to the advice and the wisdom they give, but we don't compare where we are now to them, mm-hmm. right? So if we compare, a comparison will do nothing but either make you feel elevated in your mind that you're better than someone when you're not, mm-hmm. or it will make you feel depressed and broken down because you haven't obtained right. what somebody else has attained. Right. And so both of those will actually rob you of true joy. Yeah. So comparison is the thief of joy. Once comparing my day one with their five years down the same path. If I stay down this path, as long as they've done this path, I'll be where they're at. But, you know, I'll be, my will, I'll feel inadequate or, you know, like I'm not measuring up. Well, of course not, because they've been doing it longer than I have. So Mm -hmm. I think there's a, a lot of this comes down to why I'm doing it too. So there's preaching, for example, there's always going to be preachers that are better than me. I'm like a, I'm a low tier quality preacher if you ask me, but um, that's not why I do it. Like I'm not no. preaching to get better. I'm not preaching to to be even good at it. I'm preaching because God Damn, wants I don't me want to. to that week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm preaching because there's just an open spot and we somebody's got a week there. off. Like, no. <laughs> I'm I preaching. We had like another pastor at this church. That'd be sick. <laughs> oh, Chase, what are you doing yeah, on Saturday? Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I preach because I want to teach God's truth. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times if we get out of that 
mindset of why we're doing something, it's a whole lot easier to start comparing ourselves to people that are better than us. And jealousy can creep in from there, envy, and we, we end up losing our joy of the why we're doing it in the first place. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, and I think this is the the key. It kind of goes back to what I, I said with the first piece of advice you gave with delayed gratification. It's the journey itself is valuable. Yeah. And I think so often what we're looking at when we compare is we compare destinations. Look where this person's at compared to where I'm at. Not realizing that the journey of us getting to that place is valuable in and of itself. God walks with us every step of the way. Mm -hmm. And so we think, oh, I got to get to this destination. And God's like, I'm walking with you right here. Like I'm, I'm in on this path with you. And when we can view the fact that the journey is itself is valuable, then I don't care. I don't need to compare myself to where you're at or to where you're at or just where somebody else is at. Cause it doesn't matter to me because right now I'm, on this journey with God Mm -hmm. and he's doing something in me as I'm taking this journey. So the destination, whether I ever get to where you're at or not, I'm on this journey with God. So I'm good. There's a ministry that I listen to that shall remain nameless for the sake of the podcast. (laughs) Um, But he just talking about, you know, God showing you things or people with the, if you have the perspective of remaining curious rather than comparison, then you he shows you things as, oh, that's possible, instead of, oh, why am I not mm-hmm. at the place where they're at? It's, God shows you things, if you're curious about it, of like, oh, that opens a new door for me for that aspect of God or that thing that he can do or that, you know, and you can apply that to any life. Like, oh, if I see a great artist doing that, that opens on to, oh, hey, that's possible, yeah. instead of, oh, why am I not doing stuff like that? You know, it's, you're seeing the exact same thing, but if you have a different perspective, then you'll you'll go a lot farther um, with that. Another one for me, and this kind of ties into identity and just how you, I don't know, how you see things or how you see what you do, is how you do anything is how you do everything. And along with that, your repetition is your reputation. And so it's not that, you know, I'm doing this one thing and I cut corners on this thing. It's that I'm the type of person that cuts corners on things. And two of those are different. One of those people don't cut corners on things. One of those people do. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's it's not so much this is, it's, it's realizing that what you do, whether I would say it or admit it or not, that shows more about who I really think I am or who I believe myself to be more than what I think or recite or have going on in my head of, of this image that I have of myself. What do my actions say? Because that's what I truly believe is what will come out in my actions, how I treat people, how I, you know, approach work, how I, you know, manage relationships or manage church or ministry and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. If I'm willing to do it in this area, there's probably areas in my life that it bleeds through because it's that's who I am. I'm the type of person that's willing to do a bad thing here. I'm willing to say a rude thing to people. I'm a, I'm just a person that's willing to say rude things to people. That's not a, a single event. So just realizing that like, you know, I need to, I need to reassess my, my identity or my why for doing things or my, whatever it is, whenever I see myself doing something that's incongruent with, you know, the, the identity that I'm trying to have. That's really good. I think that's, I think that, that and that hits pretty much every area of life. So 
think about that as, as, a, as a Christian, as a father, as a husband, as a uh, worker at my job, mm-hmm. as anything. Are, are you what type of person are you? And you don't base that on what you say you are. You base it on your actions. So, it, you know, I've, I've heard this before, um, and I've heard preachers say this. It's one of those cheesy little things preachers say. But, but it's just like, and it's, it's, I say cheesy, but it's, it's a really true point. Justified. That's Is justified. There, <laughs> Never seen it. No. Um, no, not that one. If, if you were put on trial, so I've heard it, people say, if you were put on yeah. trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, it's the same. Said, I've said that during messages. Cheesy thing preachers you know, say. That's what I said. There's a stupid, dumb thing that only idiot preachers say. <laughs> that you say, like, it's something I've used recently in a sermon. Um. <laughs> cheesy preacher um no so but my point is apply that to everything not just christian if you were put on trial for being a good husband would there be enough to right. convict you? if you were put on trial for being a good employee yep. would there be enough evidence could be like take every aspect of your life and say this is what i claim i am or what i want to be now look at my actions is there enough evidence to actually back that identity up and if there's not then you need to reevaluate your actions evidence to back that thing up <laughs> is there enough evidence to that? what yep. i just agree with your point what are you talking about <laughs> I, I didn't say a word are you turning the color i just didn't know what, what you were talking about <laughs> um so speaking of work um unless you had anything you want to say on that point i've completely Good. lost my train of thought all after that <laughs> Back that thing back up, that just thing to mess you up. Fruit up. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord! Um, this is quickly becoming a non-Christian podcast. <laughs> very, very quickly. <laughs> just quoting Song of Solomon, guys. Um, so, I talked about in work and being an employee. For for work advice, there were two pieces of work advice that have been given to me in my life that are very important. One of them is, and this is going to sound crazy to an extent it's never work for a paycheck i had a youth pastor tell me that never work for a paycheck now the truth is if none of us had to go to a nine to five job for a paycheck we wouldn't like if i didn't need the money most often you're not going to go to some nine to five you're going to do something you love mm-hmm. not saying it may or may not be a nine to five but you're not going to just go to work to get the paycheck but the truth is most people need a paycheck so the Instagram guys, they're like, quit your job today, grind, four in the morning. <laughs> like, well, my family's going to get real hungry. <laughs> very hungry, very fast. So, so to an extent, we need that paycheck, right? But what my youth pastor told me was never work for a paycheck. Um, this is what he said. He, he said, do, some, uh, do something you love or do something you don't love for someone you love. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's either your dream job may not be what you're doing right now, but don't focus in. I'm only doing this to get that paycheck because then you're just going to do the bare minimum to get the paycheck. Right. Instead, either if you're doing something you love, great. If you're doing a job that you have to have for to provide for your family or for yourself, then either you want to do it for someone you love. And if if that may not be, if you're not married, don't have kids. It may be, I'm talking about for God. They do all things as unto the Lord is what the scripture says, right? So no. do it for him and for your family and for yourself and not for the paycheck. And if you do that, then ultimately the paycheck will end up changing and growing over time because you're bearing fruit 
of, you know, that's actually useful that people see, you know, I heard a preacher say one time, if you're a plumber, you should be the best plumber. Like you should have the best reviews. Mm-hmm. You should be the best plumber. If you're a, you know, work as an electrician, you should be the best electrician that exists because you're doing it as a Christian different than the world. You're not working for that paycheck, just doing enough to get to that paycheck. You're doing as unto the Lord. And what would you do if you were doing it as unto the Lord? How would right. you, if you were serving him, right. what would you offer him? Yeah, I'd serve him where I'm at. And then the other, and I'll let you can respond, serve God where you're at right there. Um, what, even if it's a nine to five job you hate, serve God where yeah. you're at. Hey, serve God where you're at. Um, yeah. The other piece of work advice that has always stuck with me, and y'all can respond to both these, is learn to communicate on three levels, to managers, to peers, and to subordinates. Learn how to communicate to your managers to get them to buy into what you, your vision, what you see, um, and to serve their vision. But ultimately, if even if you have a manager you feel like is doing things wrong or things aren't going good, learn how to communicate to them correctly. Don't communicate to your manager correctly is not going up to your manager and saying, "Hey, you're running this place terrible." That's not the right right way you to communicate. Suck, right? <laughs> you suck. No, um, so learn. Please, please, sir. Please <laughs> right. listen to me, Mr. Yeah. Bossman. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Um, Those are the exact words. <laughs> <laughs> that is the exact words, Mr. Bossman. <laughs> please. Um, <laughs> but learn how to communicate to managers, to peers, your other coworkers, and to those under you. Those under you to inspire them. Like I always said when I was in management positions at different jobs, I always said my job was to train those under me to take my job. Like that's that's how so I talk to them in a way that would build them up to my position. I want them to take my job and hopefully my manager's training me up to take their job uh-huh. and it continues to grow. And that, that's always... That guy's just homeless. <laughs> <laughs> it's homeless. Once you get to the top... Yeah. No. He murders the current CEO and takes <laughs> right. over pirate just, style. took a dark turn well, really I'm fast. Saying, that's how you take over companies, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> a coup d'etat. Yep. I don't, I don't. A mutiny. You ever heard of a mutiny? I've heard of it. I don't think that's the correct way to handle it. happened a couple times on Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. Are you familiar with, who's that guy we were reading about? Roger? No. Uh, the one that got like away. That. Yeah. Uh, Thomas? Blackbeard's mentor. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> Pirate Havens down in the Bahamas. Yeah. I don't know. I have to look it up. Roger? That's who I'm reading about now, Robert Rogers. It could be Rob, Roger something. But, so never work for a paycheck, do something you love. My hero. Or for someone you love. <laughs> or learn to communicate. Um, also learn to communicate to managers, peers, and or people under you. Stage of mutiny and sell the high seas. It's not yeah, going to be four options. Three, you gave three, I gave the other one. It'd you be difficult to do that today, just with how many like American battleships sure. there are. It'd be there. harder. Yeah. Where where'd this podcast go? Well, rails? Where are we? Like, <laughs> like the guy on Instagram said, follow your dreams and wake up at four in the morning and grind. And my dream is to be a pirate. <laughs> well, so in all reality, just for the morning, derailing this a little more. <laughs> uh, Aaron was made for me, right? God put her in my life. I know this because if she, if I was not married to her, yeah. I would be off doing crazy stuff. Like yeah. I would have bought a sailboat and been sailing around the world. Or I'd be up in Alaska doing something like that. Aaron 
What a terrible Derails life. Me. That sounds like no, no. <laughs> Oh man, what a terrible life. I'd be I'd have millions of dollars but in I don't, a mansion I don't think and that would be God's be... will is what I'm saying. I think Aaron God so, put Aaron in my So life when Aaron watches me. this, she's gonna hear Alex saying that she held you back. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. Like Aaron was a woman for me. She took away all the fun stuff I was gonna do for <laughs> no, no, no. I think she keeps me from making dumb decisions. That's how I would work. I would it. agree like, with that. Yeah. I would agree oh. with that. So any work advice, anything you want to say about those things or any other work advice you'll have? So a year from now, you'll wish you had started today. Mm. That's good. You know, so yeah. it's just like kind of goes to that delayed gratification thing of like, I'm not looking for starting today for starting today's sake. I'm looking for a year from now. If I had started today and been working at this thing a year from now, mm-hmm. what would the progress be then? Uh, it's interesting you see that. So... So I've been wanting for a long time to do a YouTube channel. This ain't my first YouTube channel. Um, I had one in the before. What's going on YouTube? You have a YouTube channel. That's what I'm saying. It's called the Word Room. And guys, <laughs> get closing in on 500 subscribers. Co- yeah. we're, we're closing in. Do we're promos in. for you. Um, but I had a YouTube channel before this. I did it, and it, it was fun, but it didn't. It wasn't. It was a topic I enjoyed, but it wasn't my true passionate topic. Um, and, but I wanted to start, uh, let it go, let this it go. Ridiculous. You would have had to believe it out. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to, so, but ultimately a lot of times with, when it comes to like starting YouTube channels or doing a podcast, which the three of us had talked about for how long, like, you know saying? We've talked about this church since before we started this church and this church had been going for a few years, you know? So we, we've talked about podcasts. We talked about doing all this stuff, but ultimately you have to pull the trigger at some point and actually just do it mm-hmm. whether it's good or not. You know, in my, you go back on my own, if you go back on this channel, look at my first video and look at where we are now, like the com- first podcast. Oh, six my, episodes yeah, ago. Fr- oh yeah. Yeah. Six episodes ago. Yeah, look, it's changed. Yep. And so what I've learned with a year from now, like you said, a year from now, you'll wish you had started a year ago. It, if you start now with what you have, you get better as you go. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people, one of the biggest reasons they don't start now, and this goes with work or anything, a lot of reasons they don't start now is because they're paralyzed by not being good enough. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, and this is the hard truth everybody needs to learn, you aren't good enough. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, like, t- like you're not good enough, but you can become that, but yeah. you're never going to become that without doing. And steer a moving car. Right. And car you're, you're, you know, if you're, if you're watching this and you've ever thought about starting a YouTube channel, just start making videos. You're going to be terrible at it. Just it's going to be bad because I'm still not gr- great at making videos. I want you to fail so that we yeah. can succeed. The market's flooded right now, guys. Don't start a YouTube channel. Unless <laughs> YouTube channel, that's one less competition for us. I'm, I'm start. Just start. But I, but my point is, I'm. So many people get paralyzed by I'm not. I ain't got perfect. People do this with having kids. I'm never gonna. Have, I'm not gonna have kids until I've got all my ducks in a row. If you wait till you're financially ready to have kids, you're never having kids. If you wait till everything's perfect, you're never going to get there because everything's never going to be perfect. Right. And so, especially nowadays with the way the economy is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You ain't kidding. Yeah. Kids but, these days too. <laughs> <laughs> They're just out here running I mean, along in these streets. I mean, jeez. Yeah. But pray for these streets. So you got to start somewhere. So don't let the fear of I'm not good enough or I haven't got everything together or I ain't got it all. I don't know how, how to do everything. You know, my wife and I started a, a small garden 
and for the long time we wanted we wanted to get the garden going and we were paralyzed by information overload just trying to yeah. do just sitting there doing it and looking and reading and reading and reading analysis and at some point paralysis. analysis paralysis exactly yeah. at some point you got to pull the trigger and just yeah. do because there's just as many people telling you what not to do as there is people telling you to do stuff oh yeah so much conflicting and that can be very overwhelming yeah and every for every opinion on any topic you find you'll yeah. find the exact opposite opinion as well yeah and so at the end of the day, you just got to try something. Just like start. Smoking cigarettes is bad. Like, well, there's 10 blog posts that say smoking cigarettes is good. So I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know what. I actually heard somebody talking about this today. Here we go. Uh, Let's fire it up. They said that cigarettes smoking is the only thing that's bad for us that the government discourages. So does that mean it's actually good for us and they're just discouraging us from good stuff? Probably. You heard the conspiracy here first. Yes. I think we should look into this. Comment down below tar, your thoughts. I don't think they're putting tar in there. Right. Asphalt, fiberglass. Do you know how expensive tar is? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. I've seen just as many articles about the earth being round as there is about the earth not being round. That's true. So. Yep. I've heard it all. says it's flat. Have you heard of the hollow earth people too? I have. The earth is not only, it's, it's round, it's spherical, but it's hollow. Did you hear the video? Um, of the Russian miners, no, they were drilling down in the earth and heard people I've screaming heard in hell. Oh, really? There's you a video of that on YouTube it right now. It's out there. It. Yeah, they were drilling or something, and then they got down far enough, and they could. It's a really old audio, but you can hear people screaming. So they stopped. The they stopped drilling. They were like, I mean, I, hey, these people fell down this mine shaft <laughs> that we're drilling. I'm, I'm sure it was fake. I mean, uh, I, but I'm not saying that's real. I don't know. <laughs> it's on YouTube though. It's got to be real. If it's on oh, yeah. YouTube. I'm it's real. Like you're in a mine and you hear people screaming, like, "Well, go save that person." They're in a mine. <laughs> they fell down a mine. Yeah. No, these Russians turned around and ran out the door. Oh yeah, if you're scaring Russians, it must be pretty serious. <laughs> so another piece that I have, and it's this, we teach it in counseling, but I mean it's just great. I teach it to people, but you shouldn't follow it. No, but I teach it. But it's so it's this image of like. And there's there's math to it, and it's been in books and stuff before. No but thanks. Let's say, yeah, numbers and crap. I'm, I'll save you all the math crap and just get to the truth. Get to it. But so like a ship, uh, they, I've heard it with the airplane leaving. You know, let's say an airplane is flying out of LAX, and they're flying to uh, Orlando, Florida, right? If the airplane is six feet to the left in Los Angeles— They'll arrive like 150 miles from where they were trying to end up in Orlando. Um, and so it's it's this picture that an incremental change, a tiny change back here over 20 years, over 50 years. I'm going to pray for two <coughs> minutes. That over 20 years is two minutes times 365 times 20 yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's, and that kind of bleeds into something that, that we are, that you exposed me to, um, was the idea of, you know, plotting and plot activity and, and, you know, the, the <coughs> incremental changes and how they lead to, you know, bigger results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wise man, when he gave the example of this, uh, talked about building like a walkway for his wife. Yeah. So going out the back door, if a man starts putting one brick down a day, 
eventually he's going to have a walkway and he's going to be able to call his wife out and show her that walkway. But if we keep putting stuff off, going back to Matt's point earlier and your point, it's never going to be done. Right. Like start now, put the one brick in every day. Let's yep. plod along with this. Absolutely. And you're going to see progress faster than you would imagine. Yeah. Just a little bit a day. So this guy that, you know, we've talked about that, that wrote the book Productivity, but, but you know, he, you look at him, he's got books and books and mm-hmm. volumes and does a million things, school and, and, you know, denominations and just all this kind of stuff. And, like, agree with him or disagree with him. It's just an exorbitant amount of work. Right. And just talking about that's the key to a lot of the stuff is just 10 minutes a day for mm-hmm. the long haul consistently of, you know, it, it looks like this, this humongous thing, but if you just little bitty bite-sized chunk, yeah. you write one page a day right. in a year, that's a novel, you know, and just having just having that kind of outlook on things. It's a, it's a kind of a delayed gratification way of looking at things too, but, but also just breaking things down into super manageable bite-sized chunks and like, winning looks like I did my 10 minutes of writing today, not winning looks like I wrote a book. And that, that goes back to that whole, that overcomes that analysis paralysis we talked about. Right. So if I, instead of thinking about the end goal of where I want to write, let's say you're writing a book and you want to write 500 pages. Mm -hmm. Instead of thinking about, I got to write 500 pages. If I wake up and I think I got to write 30 minutes today, Right. That's much more manageable and overcomes that analysis paralysis because I can do 30 minutes today. Mm-hmm. I could, do, you know, instead of thinking about, oh, I want to get that six pack and I talking to myself here. Right. So, so instead of thinking, oh, I want to get that six pack thinking, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do my, this amount of time in the gym today. Right. right? So I focus on the day at hand and the, the whatever small chunk I'm doing today and quit focusing on the whole huge thing. Sometimes we look at the big thing and it looks impossible but the you know the way you climb a mountain is one step at a time. Yep. So instead of looking up at the peak of the mountain and thinking, oh, I got to get up there, my next step is all I'm looking at right now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's a big thing I learned from wrestling too. Um, if you're, if anybody's ever wrestled out there, you know practice is miserable. <laughs> so if you go into practice thinking this is going to be a two-hour session. Yeah, it's, it, you're going to be miserable. Yeah. So let's take it ten minutes at a time. Let's take it drill at a time, like one drill to the next. That's how you get through the miserable, yeah. the, the suck, yeah. as some people would call it. Get through the suck. I remember, anytime I've tried to do walking, like running or anything like that, if I look at the di- distance I got to go, I'm not doing it. I, there's places I can go that I walk or run, and anytime I do that, the like what I look at my head, okay, there's a tree. That I can see that right that my goal is to get to that tree, and then after I pass that tree, oh, a little bit up there's that rock. That's mm-hmm. so I can find those places and and or see those things that are right in front of me, like maybe not right in front, of me, but like oh, it's just that short distance. And if I do that, when I add that distance with the next one, with the next one, now I've gone a longer distance that I would have given up or quit had I thought about the longer distance. Mm-hmm. And I think the same concept applies to anything you do. Um, even your work day, like if you just think of if you're at work and all you're thinking about is quitting time, so you're constantly looking at the clock thinking about the quitting time, it seems like the day goes so long, takes forever. Yeah. But if you go through your day and you say, okay, for the next 20 minutes, this is what I need to do, and that's what you're focused on, yeah. small chunks of the day, yeah. you, it'll go better. It'll go faster. It'll yeah. Your day will just be more enjoyable. Well, it's just consumable too. Like There's just some things we just can't wrap our heads around it'll just overwhelm us you know working with 
you know, drug addicts and alcoholics and, you know, 12 step, the Alcoholics Anonymous kind of thing is big on just one day at a time. That's all I got to focus on. One day at a time, they have a phrase, do the next right thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, whether I feel like it, whether it seems like it, whether I can rationalize it, whether whatever, just do the next right thing. Just the next right thing after next right thing after next right thing will lead to 10, 20, 30 years of sobriety. But and just just 24 hours that's all you got to focus on and that's that's true for anybody too though just all i got to do is show up today somebody said and i guess this would be another thing too you know don't goals are good to have but fix your process not necessarily your goals and so it's that like you can have the greatest goal in the world but distill it down to like what do i need to do today to move me towards that goal and that's what i need to fix i need to fix the habits that are going to lead to me being a world champion or lead to me being a whatever and that's what's going to make the difference not everybody wants to be a world champion everybody's got that goal not everybody's a world champion what's the difference and it's just the daily habits the daily mechanisms of action that you know get people yep chase you got any other advice you want to throw out there this was kind of hard. Actually, this first one wasn't hard to narrow down at all. This is the thing that probably has changed my life more than anything else. Uh, when I came back to the Lord, this is one of the first kind of revelations He showed me, kind of brought me along in the path that I needed to go. And that's just a simple that we need to die to ourselves. Like mm. as Christians, we need to die to ourselves. We're no longer living for ourselves anymore. And when I read John twelve twenty five, here comes the scripture, everybody. Oh, I haven't been able to look at anything else the same after reading this. Um, anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Mm-hmm. That's just that's crazy right there. And. Christians have a huge problem with this as well, um, living for us. Um, we're really good at tricking ourselves into thinking we're living for Jesus when we're really living for us. Mm-hmm. A lot of times um, we, we come to Jesus so he'll save us. Mm. We come to Jesus so he'll save us and we stay there. Like that's the end of it. When um, in all reality, that's still living for you. Mm. If if you're not concerned what Jesus wants from you now, you're still living for you. Um, we kid ourselves by saying we're actually followers of Christ. If all I care about is what's God going to do for me, mm. what that's can good. God do for me? We're just kidding ourselves. Uh, and here comes a quote from a great man. Me. No, this is oh, man. the great man, Churchill, C.S. Lewis. He's oh. Actually, both my next points have quotes by him. This is kind of longer, so y'all just buckle up. And this is C.S. Lewis taking the perspective of Jesus in his book, Mere Christianity. If you haven't read that, I recommend it. Every Christian should great read, book. read Mere Christianity. Um, I've never read it all the way through Mere Christianity. What? Oh. Are you serious? Yeah, I just get bogged down in it. so good. It's great. It's just dense. Do you have yeah, a copy? It's very dense. Yeah, I was say I have a I would, copy. I'll let you. I'll let I you try again. <laughs> reading it slowly. I've actually got this. The other quote is from a different book, but What's okay. The other book? Maybe I've read that one. Uh, the Lion, the, the Weight of Glory. Glory. That's really a good, good one too. too. Yeah, it's What's very good. Nonfiction stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, C.S. Lewis is primarily like a Christian philosopher type of person. I mean, great maybe, theologian, but yeah. The, Maybe the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe was sick. That's what he's <laughs> best known for, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Great Divorce was sick. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I'm about to tackle Crudit Letters. Um, Till we have faces, 
That's yeah. like the last one he wrote. That a little bit. Everybody says it's hard to get through, but it's yeah. worth it once you get to the end. Yeah, I heard it's really good. I don't know. I've never made it. <laughs> so back to, I'm gonna yeah. Back is, to this. What does Lewis have to say? Uh, anyone who loves their life will lose it. Well, anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for etern- eternally. So we're laying down our life for Jesus. And this is Lewis taking on the perspective of Jesus. And he says, give me all of you. I don't want so much of your time, so much of your talents and money, and so much of your work. I want you, all of you. I have not come to torment or frustrate the natural man or woman, but to kill it. No half measures will do. I don't want to only prune a branch here and a branch there. Rather, I want the whole tree out. Hand it over to me, the whole outfit, all of your desires, all of your wants, wishes, and dreams. Turn them all over to me. Give yourself to me, and I will make of you a new self in my image. Give me yourself, and in exchange, I will give you myself. My will shall become your will. My heart shall become your heart. And that's kind of the the life-changing thing that once Christians realize that you're laying down your life you're picking up something else like you're gaining true life you're getting God's will when you lay down your will I think the the whole concept of of laying your life down was so for I mean it's it's the heart of ultimately the heart of the gospel is I lay down my life for his like I exchange my life and lay it down for his life on the cross. Like it was, there's a great exchange. It's the heart of the gospel, but I think it's also the hardest part of the, the biggest stumbling block of the gospel, in my opinion, mm. is the fact that I have to lay myself down. Yeah, you know, it, we all love the idea of Jesus dying for us. Mm-hmm. We hate the idea of taking up our cross and following him. I think most people, most Christians don't actually understand they think jesus came to save their life when he's actually come to ask us to die with him Mm -hmm. and when we do that we actually gain new life so a lot of christians think jesus came to save our life right now when that's really not what he's even asking in the first place this is a temporal life we're a vapor Mm -hmm. what the bible said one of the things the bible says we're we're not living for ourselves anymore once you become a christian yeah absolutely this kind of ties in sort of to one of the pieces of advice I had on the Christian life. And this is going to sound weird, but the, the advice is stop trying to be a Christian. And I know to clarify what I mean I by I that chasing money. Like I was before that was real. Fulfilling. <laughs> now what I mean by that is it's the complete opposite of the advice. I just gave. No, it's not. Let me finish. Let me explain. Let me it's expound. Like the Bible says quit pursuing Jesus. <laughs> no, I didn't say pursuing Jesus. I said, quit no. trying to be a Christian. What I mean by that those people, <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people. What I mean by that is so many pursue, people... It's not a religion. Pursue Yahweh. <laughs> yeah, you mean. It's not a religion. It's, yeah. it's not a relationship. It's a relationship. Um, no, no, what I mean by stop trying to be a Christian is that we build up in our heads what we think being a Christian looks like, what we think I need to obtain or I need to, I need to check off this list so I can be, the, be a good Christian. And we're pursuing being a good Christian rather than pursuing Jesus. And so part of that is is that concept of dying to self and my life being laid down. Jesus didn't come to make my life the perfect Christian life. 
he came to redeem us back to relationship with him and to live his life through me. So instead of me trying to be what I think a Christian looks like, I become what a Christian looks like by pursuing him and allowing him to live through me. And so instead of trying to obtain this is what a Christian does and this is how a Christian lives and this is this is what I'm supposed to do. Getting that out of my mindset and saying, I'm following Jesus and where he goes, I go. What he does, I do. What he says, I say. And when we live like that, then we will live that perfect Christian life. And I say perfect in a loose sense, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, right. we, when we do that, he begins to live through us. But so often we hinder the spirit of God truly living through us and walking in the spirit because we are trying in our own flesh to focus on being a Christian versus just following Jesus. Yeah, that's similar to the works versus faith uh, argument. So it's not that we're working to be saved. We're working for justification. It's once we put faith in Jesus, once we are justified, Holy Spirit leads us into work then. Yes. But it's not to get the justification. We work because of. So in your example, we're a Christian because of our pursuit of Jesus. Exactly. Exactly. And I think... I think it's so easy to, and, and it's natural human nature because we're so temporal minded that we look at our temporal life. And so our job or our thought, our, our thought process tends to be, what do I need to do? What step? What, like, and we create checklists in our mind. Okay. I need to, I don't need to do this. I need to do this. I need to stay away from that. And I need to do this. And instead of Jesus, my heart is yours. I'm following you. And now I'm doing this because this is how you live. This is your nature. This is, I do this thing. I don't do this thing because it's opposite to your nature. I'm not creating this. I'm supposed to do this because I'm a Christian. I'm not supposed to do this because I'm Christian. Instead, I'm just, this is who he is. So it's who I am. I just naturally reflect him in his image. Any thoughts, Alex? No. (laughs) The fifth. He's still on the fence about the whole Christian thing. I agree with everything you're saying. Yeah. So it's a relationship. It's not a religion. <laughs> I'd rather be in my boat thinking about God than in my church thinking about fishing. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's deep. That's I think. <laughs> you know what? I think you're just going to hell. It's the alternative universe where Peter says no to Jesus. He's like, I'd rather be in my boat thinking about <laughs> Jesus <laughs> than walking with Jesus thinking about all them fish. <laughs> or just rather be with Jesus thinking about Jesus. Yeah, you gotta pick one or the other. What am I supposed to do? Be self controlled? <laughs> pass. Hard pass. Um, so that was my my spiritual as far as Christian life. And the other thing as far as Christian life is just let go of expectations. I think so often we expect certain things when we become like PL. I know a lot of people who got saved expecting things in their life to get better. Yeah. And then they didn't. Yeah. And then they end up getting angry at God or I expect this one thing. And so when I say let go of expectations, that, that's, that can be taken the wrong way to the extreme of don't expect anything. Right. And that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying following, it goes back to pursuing God, following God, right? If I'm following Jesus, my expectation is that Jesus is going to do great things and you know amazing things through me and in me and and you know so that's my expectation i don't have and i don't place the expectation of him 
you've got to do it this way. Right. You've got to, and I think that's how what we often do. And I think of Jesus, the story where he heals the guy's eyes by spitting in the mud. They brought the guy to him and said, lay your hands on him yeah. and heal him. And instead Jesus spits in the mud and puts mud in his eyes. Like yeah. we have to let go of expectations of how we expect Jesus to do something and just trust Jesus to do something. Hey, you guys remember that time that ridiculous pastor spit on his hand and wiped it on that guy's face? <laughs> remember that? <laughs> What was his name? I'm just going to say, let's not do that. I don't remember his name, but that was ridiculous and silly. All I'm saying is don't do that. If you're a pastor watching it, don't do that. Unless you're Jesus Christ of Nazareth, don't do that. Your illustration doesn't have to be that physical. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, people will remember your sermon. See, and I don't even remember the sermon. I remember he did that, and his, his whole thing, I'm sure, was like, Oh, so people can remember the. I don't remember. No, I remember him. He just talked to Lugio, an old boy. Needing attention. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, I, I remember that sound. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. That was yeah. a good one, too. Mm. All right. So, next advice. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. I thought that was going to be something else. No. <laughs> what did you think I was going to think? I thought it was going to be something funny. Oh, no. You thought you were saying something <laughs> stupid? No. If you want to go fast, go by yourself. You can do things more efficiently by yourself. Absolutely. But the attrition rate of that is quick. So That's, that's really good advice. And from just not every and every area of life, including your spiritual life. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about kind of the Christian walk here. Like, you were not designed by God to do Christianity alone. Yeah, you can't fully know Christ without community. Yeah, because within the Godhead, there's community. Yep. So how can you know the nature of God if you don't experience that aspect of that nature? Yep. I think it's interesting that you know, we talked about community on a previous uh, episode. You were designed for community, and as a result, there's a lot of people who, well, you know, my relationship with God, I don't need— the church like right. i don't need to go I, I me i can serve worship god right here in my bedroom yeah. well it may, it's true to an extent that you can worship god in your bedroom but you're never going to grow in your relationship with god to like you said go far you're never going to get to where you're supposed to be in god without other people to help push you there because i mean when we go through life i don't care how great of a christian you are we go through things where I need other people to encourage me to keep going. Mm. I need other people to push me closer to God. There's things, times when, and you know, people freak out on this, but there's times when we question God. Like, I don't understand God, why this is happening. And other people's wisdom can there, help you overcome that. Just for the record, everybody listening, I've never done that. So, Bull. Um, well, and, and two, I don't think you can be a good Christian without going to church. Yeah. Like over a long period of time, there's too many things the Bible tells us to do. Uh, don't forsake the the gathering. Uh, you need to take communion. You need communion's done with other Christians. Yeah. Uh, corporate worship, all of these things. Like you can't do a lot of this stuff on our own. Yeah. And I know we look back in church history at the monks and like those guys did a lot of good stuff, but that doesn't mean they were right. Right. It doesn't mean they were right about everything. On everything, and if and you, they had their own communities out in the deserts too. Yeah. I'm just going to say, yeah. if you if you hate being around other Christians, A, there's probably a heart issue that you need to deal with. You're probably not a Christian. And B, if you hate being around other Christians, you're really going to hate heaven. 
because <laughs> yeah, that's all there is there. <laughs> that's where the real ones are. Down here's a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, heaven's getting crowded anyway. Y'all just don't even worry yeah, about it. Worry about <laughs> that's my favorite when people are like, I'll do anything for Jesus. And then like, you don't go to church because you're tired from work. Yeah. Like, I'll <laughs> lay down my life <laughs> for the sake of the gospel. And it's like, nah, yeah. I've got to get up early tomorrow, so I'm going to skip Bible study. That's because yeah. the truth is most people are like Peter. You know, right. I'll, I'll die for you, Jesus. Yeah. And then I'm going to deny him. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't live for you, but I will die for you. Right. Um, so, Chase, what's your what's your last piece of advice uh, well, before we move to St. Marie? It ties in with community real well. To have successful, good community, biblical community, we need to have the right perspective about the other people that are involved. And we're going to jump right into another C.S. Lewis quote here. This one from The Weight of Glory, I believe. I'm pretty sure that's where it is. Okay, and he says, There are no ordinary people. You've never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play, but our merriment must be of that kind, and it is in fact the merriest kind, which exists between people who have from the outset taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. So everybody we meet in life, whether it's a coworker, a spouse, friends, a stranger, they're, they have an immortal soul. They're always going to exist. And just like he says, uh, they're always going to exist in one of two locations, immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. And when we put that, we attach that to people, um, it, it's got to change our perspective on them. I think a lot of times we go through life, Christians go through life, thinking we're the only immortal one. Or at least that's how we treat other people. Mm. Like, I'm the only one that's going to last forever. I'm going to get what I can from you. I'm going to manipulate all this other stuff to put myself in a better position. When if I really thought you were an immortal soul, mm -hmm. I would treat you so much better than I would nor than I would treat you otherwise. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that's really good. And that so tying that into the idea of community... It's another reason for community that I think we overlook. We, we think about how we need community. A lot of times we overlook how community needs us. There's other people, th those other people are eternal souls. They need us. It's, like it's being other focused. It goes back to, to what I said about being interested versus interesting, right? Like I, I want, I'm interested in that person. They are an immortal soul. They are yeah. someone who they're not just a mere mortal, just another mere person that they're someone truly created by God. They have, you know, the, they have the, it's just that idea of thinking of someone that way is so important and it'll change, like you said, change the way we see them. So when I look at community, when I look at you guys, I, I look at you not as just friends and, 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 people in my life you are but you're truly created by god in the image of god that you have like you're important like you have value inherent value and i think that's so important to right, view you know, people that way i do have value <laughs> yeah. um so it's important to see people that way so i think it's good advice yeah
Um, Lewis for the win. Lewis so, for the win. Lewis for the win. Yeah. So this has been some good advice. Um, hopefully you got something out of some of this advice. But now it's time for Saint or Saint or eight. All right, Alex, what is this week's Saint or Ain't? Well, ladies and gentlemen, Saint or Ain't is the fun game we play around here where we pick a topic and we decide, is this topic for the saints Mm. of God or does this make you an ain't Mm. of God? This week's topic that we will discuss on Saint or Ain't, R-rated movies. Uh-oh. Do you guys know, though, before we dive into this, what a pirate's favorite kind of movie is? Arr. <laughs> Rated movies. Arr. Oh, that's a good one. Pirates that make a <laughs> famous pirate noise. They say, arr. And this goes along with so R-rated movies. <laughs> you didn't need to explain it. Well, it just, it just took a minute to sink in. That's okay. <laughs> R-rated movies. So what do you guys think? R-rated movies. Now, I know there are different things rated R for different reasons. Does that play into it? Why or why not? Yeah. Saying or ain't R-rated movies. That's a great question. Um, came up with it myself. So I'm going <laughs> to say right off. We didn't brainstorm this a couple weeks ago. I came up with it all <laughs> um, I'm going to say right off the bat, I'll go ahead and saint it. But with caveats. Whoa. So, bold stance. Bold stance. I do not think R-rated movies, just the fact that the movie's rated R automatically makes you an eight. Um, so I do think R-rated movies are rated R for different reasons. That will play into what makes it. So I'll give you an example. Passion of the Christ. It's rated R. Whoa. Does watching Passion of the Christ automatically make you an eight? Yes. Of course not. <laughs> um, You're breaking the second commandment. I ain't that's even straight. going into that. <laughs> that's a pretty grave an image. Oh, wait, is that the <laughs> not what that's talking about. No, the guys are um, <laughs> Not what that's talking about. So, um, Catholics. A lot of people would disagree with you about that. They would, yeah. and I can make a video on that. We could have a whole discussion on that. A lot of people we really time. respect would disagree with you on um, that, and I'm okay with that. They don't watch the Passion. Yeah. Hmm. Presbyterians, there's really? a, yeah. yeah, they don't any, they don't Anything, have any they, they won't watch the show chosen, they won't watch yeah. any of that because anything of images of Jesus at all. I was listening to a guy today mm-hmm. and I like some of his stuff, but he was talking about how he catechizes his kids and he reads Bible stories to him and he's got this kid's Bible and it's got pictures of Jesus in it. And when he reads it to him and shows him the picture, she covers up Jesus when he's showing them the picture. So they're not developing in a cartoonish image of Jesus in their minds. Well, that's a good conversation for another time. Well, let's let's right. make the movies. Picture. What about the Shroud of... He would, he would say, that's not Jesus. Like, even if we had a Polaroid picture of him, oh, he would say, we can't use that. Sounds good, dude. <laughs> he was a dude. Anyways, yeah, that is a different topic for different day. Different topic for different day. So already <laughs> that would be movies, another good saint, right? That would be though. That's a that would be a, a bit interesting one. But for our rated movies, what are what are something is is you know we've got different things. You can go to the level of of nudity in movies, and you know things that are rated R for for nudity, and then we could go okay. There's different types of nudity in movies. This is going to get crazy. What about Schindler's List? 
Schindler's List has nudity in I've it. Never seen Schindler's List. It's, so it's about the Holocaust. Well, I know it's about. It. <laughs> I haven't seen it either. It's, it's a great movie. I recommend it. But it has nudity in it. But it's not. It's it's in you know people Jews in the concentration camps being. It's not like sexual nudity, and it's not. Mm-hmm. I promise you, you ain't watching that and lusting. Right. So what is like? So even with those type of topics, and that's a rated R movie. So the question is, what is it rated R for? And why are you watching the movie? Uh, is it rated R for just violence? Is it just is it a war movie where there's a bunch of violence? Is that bad? No, mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's 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 not automatically an ain't just because it's not a rated movie. If you're watching a movie that's very sensual and nudity and sexualized for the per you know just for the purpose of being entertained by sensuality, mm-hmm. then you could be crossing. You know what I'm saying? So what what are we? What's yeah. the purpose behind it? This is this is a good question with a lot of depth to it. Um, I'm going to say Saint with asterisks, asterisks, multiple asterisks. Uh, I actually saw an R-rated movie like last week. Whoa, Nefarious is rated R. Dare you? That's a Christian movie. Yeah, there's no cussing. Like there's one violent scene, and but that's it. And it is rated R. The producer said they rated it. They chose to rate the movie R so less Christians would go see it. Hmm. Like that's why, like that's the rating board is separate from the people that make the movie. Yeah. So those people on whatever board just rated it R to try to downgrade it. They really worked with the passion of the Christ to keep Christians away from it. Yeah. The Ferris is a great movie. I recommend it. Uh, Passion of the Christ is a great movie too. Yeah. Um, Jim Caviezel. Yeah. Did you guys ever see Count of Monte Cristo that he was in? It's a great movie. Yes. Sick. Mm-hmm. Dude. Great movie. Um, it's so good. I don't think... I know I never finished the book. I got halfway yeah. through and hit the slog. Um, He's like 10 chapters on yeah. his nephew. And yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> before we move on, I wanted to add, tell what my asterisk is. Yeah, oh, your, yeah. Go what's ahead. your asterisk? I was planning on doubling back to you. <laughs> <laughs> Let you finish your point. What's your asterisk? Uh, so, like, I agree. It's the sexual scenes... Um, and and I say this for just about everything. Why are you going to see the movie? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of even Christian movies now that are inappropriate. Like I haven't seen it, but I've heard reviews of that Redeeming Love movie. That's a really popular movie, but there's sex scenes or like implied mm-hmm. in there, and I'm not sure if they were these people were married at the time. Mm-hmm. And there's just I'll. We have to be careful that we're not being played and being led along in our emotions, no matter where where the movie comes from. Um, Christian movies can do it. Uh, secular movies can do it. it. I don't think the rating necessarily matters as much as the actual content of the movie. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts? I don't know. Yeah, I guess it comes back to where your heart is. But I'm also thinking like, that also doesn't make G and PG and PG-13 movies automatically okay, too. Yeah, agreed. There's a lot of, you know, Harry Potter, for instance. <laughs> Demonic. Absolutely but, not. <laughs> but also, too, like, I also think, though, like, if it's a representation of what happened, it should be, a rep- like, life isn't G-rated all the time. Mm-hmm. The Bible's not G-rated all the time. And so, like, you know. It'd be real hard to make a movie that's accurate of the Old Testament without it being R-rated. Yeah. You know, especially Song of Solomon, especially 
you know, Leviticus and Exodus and any literally any book of the Old Testament, you know, as far as violence or any of that stuff. So I don't know, and I and you know, I mean, it's definitely a heart issue of you know if you're using it for the purposes of I want to be entertained by violence or I want to be entertained by sex or I want to be you know whatever then then yeah that's an issue but if I'm wanting to learn if I'm wanting to you know whatever it is I guess that goes back to the bigger picture of like I'm watching this for entertainment purposes so that puts it in a different category than if I was just trying to learn about you know whatever it is well I think even with entertainment purposes like, for example, um, I'll tell you a movie, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Very violent movie. Got a lot of language in it. Mm-hmm. Very entertaining movie. I wouldn't necessarily say a Christian watching Saving Private Ryan, which has a lot of language yeah. and a lot of violence, would be necessarily wrong. Yeah. That it, it's a war movie. I don't see, like, to me, there there's nuance there. And I think they probably said a lot of, bad words in reality. Exactly. Um, I think, I guess the, the, there's two aspects of this. I think there are some things that are hardline. Like if you're looking at, you know, if you're watching movies with a lot of sexuality and especially nudity, well, that's a hardline. Hey, scripture says don't lust. You're, 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 you're as, especially as a man, but as a woman too, for, you know, you're not going to sit there and watch someone naked, in a sexual scene and not naked, lo- naked and not lust, right? So, th- so there's there's hard line things right there that I could draw a hard line on, but then things like violence, things like, well, the Bible's violent, right. and um, what 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 level of violence reaches a place? Like, if I'm watching a war movie, is is watching a war movie really a level of like? Am I, what am I watching? You know, see, I, I guess there, there's nuance there. And I think some of that is not necessarily you can draw a hard line. It's going to be a conscience issue with different people. I, I'm not going to look at someone who's watching a movie for entertainment that has violence and draw a hard line and say that's a sin for you. Yeah, I would put a distinction between just movies, for example, Saving Private Ryan and something like Saul or something like that. I think there's a big difference there. Yeah, where there's a yeah. – yeah. yeah. But the violence is the entertainment versus there's something else going on that includes violence. Yeah. They're being violent for a reason. Yeah. I yeah. mean, like David killing Goliath was good. That violence was yeah. a good thing. And, yeah, I think there's a difference between violence that is a result of the situation that someone's in, like war or something like that, or violence where you know, someone's breaking in, there's a movie that deals with someone breaking, you know, somebody's breaking into their home and there's, there's violence where that person's trying to survive the good versus evil type of mentality versus Saul, where it's all about the evil twisted evil. Yeah. It's like are fed up with their nine to five jobs. So they start clubs where they fight each other and that spins into a secret society of, clubs all over the world where they fight. First rule of fight club is not talking about fight club. I didn't. Well, they're just trying to <laughs> say those words anytime. <laughs> they're just trying just, to find meaning and truth. Yeah, just, We can respect that. It's just a hypothetical situation. I'm but, just spitballing ideas here. Well, let's take this one step further before really we... Huh? <laughs> I'm not saying it. <laughs> um, let's take this one step further before, I, before we give our official stamp. What about movies with excessive language? 
that there's there's really there's nothing sexual in the movie, maybe even not a lot of violence, but it has excessive language that has bumped up that rating. I think for me, I don't care. Like it doesn't affect me and my language. So like I don't care. And like then I've had lots of conversations with I say lots, but I've had some conversations with my wife of just like my like it just doesn't come in to me as like, hey, those are words that somebody shouldn't be saying. I know like I'm not gonna talk like that. So like if it's comedians or if it's like movies or whatever, like it just doesn't compute with me that like, oh, that's a bad word. So I gotta be careful, like my kids are in the car, like my wife or like whatever. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but just like I don't talk like that, so it doesn't like impact me. Like I guess I wish they wouldn't, but it doesn't bother me one way or another. That's how they're. It also comes back to like, like sinners are gonna act like sinners. So like if I'm going into like a bunch of non Christians, they're not gonna play by the same rules I'm gonna play with. And so me being like, oh. I'm like, well, that's just how you are. Like, you know, so yeah, I don't care, but I don't know if that's the right thing. Just me personally. You know, that's probably where I'm at too. I don't know. I haven't really thought too much about this probably because I'm the same way. A lot of those words don't even ring around in my mind anymore because like I I work in a rock quarry. Every other word out of those guys' mouths. I don't cuss, but they do. (laughs) Everybody does. Nobody cusses in the jail that I work in. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But yet, I don't know. I don't. You were just desensitized to it. That could be what it is. And it could be. I think, so I've heard the argument, well, why, you know, if, if you don't think that that's a good thing, why are you going to be entertained by it? But to me, there's a difference between something that I'm entertained by, including that, versus being entertained by that, yeah. if that makes sense. So, well, like, You're not looking at that as something to emulate either. No. Which if you're in a stage of life where that's what you're doing, you're trying to find your identity or whatever. Like, if, right. if you're watching something that has a lot of language in it and then you constantly struggle with saying things you probably shouldn't be saying, right. then you shouldn't be watching those things. Yeah. If you... Um, and I think that's the that's the difference. I don't and I, like I said, I don't find it as I'm not being entertained by someone cussing. Cussing is one of those things that if you're a non-Christian, if you're someone who you're gonna like, it's gonna be all around you. You're going to hear it, and I don't expect for there to be a movie made by non-Christians where they're not cussing um, to appease my sensibilities. Right. I'm, there may be a movie with a great story, nothing bad in it except the language that I wouldn't use. It degrades it. It, it takes away yeah, from it. I it does, but it's not, I don't see it as a sin to be around, like to be entertained by something where you're entertained by the storyline or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that there are people cussing any more than if I was at a football game being entertained by football and there are people cussing on the mm-hmm. sidelines or on, if I was at, to me, that's, that's I'm not being entertained by the cussing and I yeah. wish they would take the cussing out. It make to me, it make the movie better, but yeah, there's probably a lot. The cussing is probably the least issue in those movies. Yeah. Like that, that we would need to worry about. There's yeah. probably a lot more moral issues yeah. to be concerned with than the use that non, the use of language non-Christians use. Yeah, I agree. So 
I would say my official stamp on it, Saint. Sure, me too. Was it R-rated movies? R-rated yeah. movies. Yeah, Saint with asterisk. Saint or ain't, we saint it. Um, R-rated movies, I would also say there's probably some G-rated movies that if you watch it, it'd be an eight. Probably Harry Potter. <laughs> Any of those G-rated? Not even going to talk about Harry Potter. That's a Sunday different Saint or ain't. I think a good way we could look at it is if it makes you sin or want to sin, you should avoid it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. All right. So we're getting closer to 500 subscribers. Once I hit 500 subscribers, we'll be giving away a CSB chronological Bible right here. It is the correct translation. The correct translation. Uh, day by boo. day. Boo this man. <laughs> Leave a boo comment in the comments. It's a great translation. Day by day chronological Bible has daily readings um, through the Bible to get through it in a year and it is broken down in chronological order. So everything mixed together to make it really come alive for you. It's a really great Bible. So I'll be giving away. All you gotta do is be subscribed. So hit that subscribe button, click the notification bell and like the video. I mean, I'm just saying, if you got something out of any of this advice, like like that video, video, comment down below. Put your best advice in the comments. Tell me what the best advice you ever heard was. Check out From the Pit Ministries, uh, their awesome channel. Like all those videos first, and then come like these. (laughs) (laughs) Chase does not have a channel, but you can comment down below and tell him how awesome he is so he doesn't have to do it himself. You should like his videos. (laughs) I might be putting up some stuff in the future, just like simple stuff that I've already got written out. Hey, there you go. There you go. Uh, you heard it here first. Keep an eye out for Chase's channel. Um, but actually good channel. <laughs> Chase's actually good channel. <laughs> Chase's actually good channel. Uh-huh. That's it. There are links down in the, cha- in the description for tipping to the channel if you want to donate to help this podcast out. We'll see you next time. <laughs>